I uh, I thought this was a commercial. I'm not gonna lie. I was like, what? Interesting new sponsor. And then I'm like, oh, you've, it's a bump. I'm sorry, <laughs> my bad. Um, welcome back into the Plank Show. All right, uh, four zero five three two nine nine thousand Air Comforts. Excuse me, River One Casino call in line. 405-329-9000. If you went to bed early last night, Giants fall to the Cowboys 23-16. But uh, obviously our concerns are with Sterling Shepard, according to a report this morning. Uh, the former Sooner Giants receiver suffered a ruptured Achilles, which you know, would end his season. Mm-hmm. I That was a heck of an interception by Diggs. They had great angles on it. Oh, thought. yeah, the way he tipped it back up and had his hands underneath it. Yeah, no, that was a sensational play. Speaking of sensational plays, C.D. Lamb's touchdown grab after <sighs> dropping the wide-open touch or at least what would have gotten him down inside the five or whatever. Man, that was such a sweet uh, sweet reception he had, one hand in it back to himself and keeping the, the toes in inbounds in the end zone. I mean, wow. That was pretty incredible, wasn't it? That was pretty incredible. I mean, if it would be even more shocking if it's not something we'd seen a lot. It's like, oh, he's supposed to make those catches, right? It makes him look routine, but that drop was oof. It does uh, – yeah, no, the drop was terrible. It, it does make <laughs> you long for that in Norman, right? I know you got Mims, and, and Mims is spectacular. Weiss has been good, but, man – Let's call it what it is. Right now, I don't know that I see a C.D. Lamb roaming around out there. Do you want to hear the call on the Cowboys Network? Yeah, quick? yeah, yeah. Because I thought it was if, – if it's the one I'm, I was listening last night, like I said – well, this would be the radio network, but here is Brad Sham on the uh, one-handed catch by C.D. Lamb for a tug last night in the Cowboys-Giants game. Faith Lamb caught in one hand. Touchdown, Cowboys. Dallas now leads – by a score of 20 to 13. There was a little bit more to it, but they obviously chopped it up. Yeah. Rush, man, is playing some good football. Is he going to wind up being a starting quarterback in this I, league? I, I wonder. You know, teams do kind of fall for. This guy played well in a backup right, role. Right, they do. And and maybe he does. It, it's gotten guys' gigs before. We've and, seen And it. occasionally. You know, guys have wound up being kind of long-time good NFL starting quarterbacks. That's rare. Doesn't happen a lot, but it has happened before. Um, let's get Bill in here, then we'll uh, we'll go through Lebby, and then we'll hit Ted Roof. So, Bill, kick it off right for us. Welcome to the Plank Show. What's going on? Good morning. Uh, two things. Do you have any concerns with Gabriel not completing the intermediate pass? Sure. I, I, I do not. I know that this goes somewhat contradictory to what I had said last week, but like I said, I went back and, and as much as a guy like I can break down what I saw, I wasn't overly concerned about the Nebraska game, right? But seeing uh, some of those misses, yeah, I, I was. Now, I'm going to play Jeff Levy here in a bit and kind of what his message was to Dylan Gabriel, but yeah, there were some throws that you need to make, right? There there were some throws that, that have to be made, and you're not going to be perfect, but yeah, I thought he played okay, but it can always be better. I'm not blaming him. I just think he, he needs to improve from a 60%, and he needs to be able to hit the intermediate passes to open up the whole passing game. Yeah, I mean, trust me, they want to do it, Bill. You're 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 hitting the nail on the head. I agree. What was the second thing? Uh, how is the basketball recruiting coming on? Good question. Yeah, that's something that I don't know that we've – 
kind of dove into in some time. I haven't heard anything new necessarily that I can think of anytime recently. I don't know. We'll, we'll dig into that, Bill. I don't have a good answer right off the top of my head for you, but we'll, we'll figure it out. All right. See you, bud. I know Jenny Baranchek's crushing it. <laughs> They've got Jacob Cole, who's a hard commit for the class of 23. Do you know who the highest ranked recruit in the history of Oklahoma football is? Our Oklahoma basketball, according to 24 7? Um. Um. Hurry up. No. I, and I only know this because I love going to OU Insider whenever they have that ranking down below, and you're like, man, I remember how excited we uh, were about that. Gosh, time. don't don't tell me. No, I'm not going to tell you. It's it's the class with Tiny Gallon. Oh, you those... got it. It was Tiny Gallon. Is that who it was? Yeah, yeah. Well done. Okay, well, I I didn't think it was him, but I, I knew it was somebody in that class. Keith Tiny Gallon. Now, was Blake Griffin, was he a four-star? He was a five-star. He was a five-star. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they do the the numbers and the percentages, so he was number three. Tiny broke a backboard. I was there. (laughs) I was in Spokane, Washington. It was New Year's Eve. I was there. Were you like, oh! (laughs) I was on the play-by-play call. Really? Yeah, we had just – it was the first event I ever did for OU. Um, Actually, awesome, man. I think the first event I ever did for OU, they sent me with Coach Cole – to a Georgia basketball, women's basketball game in Georgia, and I didn't know how to use the ISDN, and we were in big trouble. Thankfully, the Georgia guy saved the day. Um, got you hooked up. He and got connected. me hooked up, right? Because I thought I knew how to use it, I did not. But yeah, and I, so it's funny. I, I've told the story a lot, but that New Year's Eve game, we had just come off like that season. We had football, and that year Oklahoma had a big delay in. I want to say the UTEP game, and the network. Just played Boomer Sooner for like an hour. (laughs) And so, you know, we were literally stuck with Boomer Sooner being played. And so we had thrown a bit of a fit. You know, we're like, hey, we need programming to fill this. If you're not, if you're just going to say, all right, we're going to throw it back. I mean, you're the network, fill it. And this was, you know, pre our crew. And so I, Josh, I had compl- I couldn't throw it back to a studio while there was g- glass shattered all over the floor. So, so you just had to – We had to theory. fill. Yeah, and it took a long time. I want to say it was like a 35-minute delay. Oh, it it was every bit of that. It, it it Man, it was longer than that, I want to say. If I'm re- – I mean, look. It I might was, have been. I we, wasn't there, but I want to say it was like 45 minutes or something. I, I literally that night. I literally had just gotten married, and my wife was, was big on New Year's Eve, and I was like – I can't say no to this opportunity. So I was in a lot of trouble for a long time. Yeah, and I that, was a, that was a good decision, though, for you, don't yeah, you think? Yeah, I think it worked out okay. But, yeah, spoke. we had to stop to let the, the jet fuel. It was quite a trip. That's cool that you were there. That's fun. I'll never forget it. Gonzaga beat our backside. Beat the snot <laughs> out of him. Beat yeah. us back. You know, uh, that is uh, one of the great what-if eras of OU basketball. If not the greatest what-if era. Of OU basketball. hundred percent. Who am I thinking of? Scotty Reynolds, right? Almost almost came to almost OU. Almost came too. to OU. Yeah. And would have been a part of that class. Right. right. He was really good. You that had, was the missing piece. If you had him, it would have all worked. Yeah. It was a crew, man. Or if Willie Warren, I don't know, was like going to class and stuff. <laughs> it's ten ten right here on the Home of Sooner fans. All right. Thanks, uh thanks, Bill. Appreciate your patience and getting you in here. All right, let's go to the press conference from yesterday and hit some of the highlights, in my opinion. Now, I had mentioned about what appears to be some struggles snapping the ball from Andrew Rame. 
Jeff Levy talked about it's it. It's not uh, it's not exactly what you want. Obviously, you know, there's a lot of people that take that snap for granted, but we got to be better there. And Dylan made an unbelievable play on B. Will's touchdown, uh, where he's able to get the ball out of his hand, gets hit right in the chin, and handles a, a really a, a bad snap. But uh, we'll continue to get better at that. Rame's been really good. You know, has not been an issue in the past. So we'll uh, we'll make sure that part of it's cleaned up as well. Yeah, and. Again, in listening to the Oklahoma breakdown, what uh, the guys had said was Rame didn't seem to build off of his performance against Nebraska. So it's got to continue to get better. We know that. It's got to be better. The whole offensive line has to be better. I feel like we've been waiting on Rame to just be this great center for some time, and it, it just hasn't happened yet, I guess. I think it's one of the positions that we take for granted how good it's been. Yeah, and, and is that that actually was going to be my next question. Is that working against him a little bit? Is it – look, it's Oklahoma football, so every position on the field, the standard is get drafted high into the National Football League. But particularly center, you know, because you've, you've had Creed Humphrey recently, because you've had Gabe Eichert and all these different guys that have been really, really good there, is he getting graded on this, this curve or – I. Yeah, and I think sometimes it's wild because, and this is where I will fight to the death. To def- well, okay, I'm not gonna listen. I love Andrew Rain, but I'm not ready to die for him. But I'll I'll fight you in how little time he's truly had as a sinner, right? And you know he was a guy that, and there's no one that probably can attest to this more than some of the dudes that have been in the past, right? But. He literally only started playing center during the spring, not not this most recent spring, but last year, right? And you you get the hang of it. You he'd been a tackle in in high school, and kind of thought, well, maybe he's going to be a guard. Well, then suddenly it's like you're going to be a center, and you're going to take over for Creed Humphrey. So he's the center. And he's learning the offense, and he's he gets and he gets injured, and you know you got Tonjul comes into play some center. Had a couple other guys that did too, but you you get hurt and you don't have those reps in practice. Then a new offense, right? So you've got to relearn a new offense. You've got to understand new responsibilities. Yeah, I've I'm big on the hey, it needs to be better, but also big on understanding why it might be taking some time sure. for Andrew Rame. That's that's a – I'm a big excusinator 5,000 when it comes to Rame. Well, and has it really even been that bad, I guess, either is another question well, to ask. Well, and, and you go through, right? I Let's let's go back from when at least we, we've all kind of fallen in love with the position, and there's some that can go back further than me, but – you know, and he's got John Cooper there to help him as well. Coop's helping out this team as a quality control guy. But you got you've got John Cooper. You've got uh, from John Cooper. You went to Ben Hayburn and then Gabe, and then you had Ty Darlington and Eric Wren had a good run as this center. Uh, Jonathan Alvarez played center for a while and was was good. And then obviously Creed Humphrey is one of the best centers in the NFL right now. So yeah, you're right. It's you've had dudes. The bar is really high at that position. And 
I mean, in all honesty, it's kind of noticeable when the snap isn't good, right? Everyone in the, in the stadium and watching on TV can see when Dylan Gabriel is having to show off his ability to go grab a snap. Right, well, and that's a strong point that you're making there. Yes. Um, the big topic today. And I wasn't even necessarily, I guess, talking about the snap, just the... Right, no, and just the position in general. Right. The big topic today has been slow starts and how you overcome slow starts, what you do. Uh, Bob Prisbillo asked Coach Levy, hey, what, what's kind of been the, the problem with slow starts? How do you guys get things right? I think there's just got to be a heightened sense of urgency with everybody involved, starting with me, about starting faster. You know, we got to do a better job there. You find yourself in a, in a third and six or third and seven situation, first drive, don't convert. Third and six on the second drive, don't convert. And you go back to Nebraska, don't convert on that first one, and then obviously Kent State, you know, struggled early. So we got to start faster. Uh, that's the reality of it, and, and get going and play complimentary football, and uh, that'll that'll be a stress for sure this week. Yeah. Right. So I don't know if that necessarily gives you an answer that you want to hear, but you know, Jeff Levy, hey, we got to be better on these fronts, and that's where we are. You want a break? I mean, not not a bad time to pause when we come sure. back. We'll yeah, let, let's do that. Here, Levy talk about the focus on pre-snap penalties, his message to Dylan Gabriel and – Message to Gabriel was good. And, and adjusting to tempo for everybody, <laughs> including – Address announcers? Our poor PA guy. My gosh. All right, so quick break. We'll come back. More from Jeff Levy before Ted Roof at the bottom of the hour right here on The Ref. All right, let's. Uh, we're rolling through the Jeff Levy presser. We are 30, 45 minutes away, a little bit, give or take uh, a minute or two, to the Brent Venables presser. Man, I wish. Is he going earlier this morning? Eleven fifteen. Did you say thirty-five minutes? Thirty to forty-five minutes. I'm a little bit off here, right? <laughs> are we like almost like an hour away? Are we? Gosh, it's only ten twenty-one. Yeah, I guess we are. My bad. Um, no, I am um, sorry. I don't, mean, I don't mean to be a mathematician. No, no, no. Literal Josh, I like it. Make sure I get it right because there will be somebody on the uh, text line or on Twitter. It's like, you said it was about an hour away. It was actually 72 minutes and 30 seconds. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just trying to figure out what I need to open my Twitter up. <laughs> I will be good. I, am, uh, I went through the whole Jeff Levy presser, and there's some good stuff. Like, for instance, the frustration over cleaning up the pre-snap penalty. Oh, hold on. Ah! I absolutely positively unhooked everything during the break for you know, reasons unknown to me. Initially, we had that thing set up so beautifully where it came through that little – I don't I don't even know what you call that piece where you can bring it up through the table and then around. Right. Now it's like everywhere. You know I what? Know. I could probably, it's a disaster. I could probably fix it, but – No, it's – I'm only in studio one day a week during football season, this, so – This I'm ain't not, your bag, baby. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to break my – ribs like I just did. All right, so pre-snap penalties and working on it, and what's that uh, process like? No, we're going to put a ton of emphasis on it. We talk about playing smart, clean football uh, every single day of the week, and we've got we've got to do that. We got to do a better job coaching it, and and uh, again, we've been pretty clean, and then for whatever reason, you know, Saturday evening we we weren't. So we got to we got to get it right. I went back through. Uh, speaking of Twitter, and I was looking at. Uh, Big Brother Joey and his Twitter feed. And it was it was pretty shocking whenever you saw those those moments, those breakdowns that Oklahoma had 
uh, as it pertained to those pre-snap penalties. And I know um, everyone's seen the the video that Eddie put out there and the the chant of, of, of Boomer and McCain Matower. Boomer, uh, false start. Boomer. And let's see, but it goes, you know, you, you think about fourth down and one, and you're at the Kansas State 14, and it's a 21-14 game, and you get the false start from Braden Willis. Suddenly, instead of going for it on fourth and one, it's it's fourth and sixth, and you, you're, you're in field goal territory. So instead of potentially putting yourself, assuming they get it, first and 10 at the Kansas State 13, you're kicking a field goal, and it, instead of maybe putting it in a position where it's 21-21 early, you, you're down 21-17, and they drive 70 yards in 10 plays to add a field goal of their own. You know, the, the third quarter, you had a great drive going, right? You had a great drive going, and uh, you had a holding penalty. That's not a pre-snap penalty, obviously, but it sets everything back. You had in that same third quarter another after a punt, another good drive going, and on fourth and four, when you're going to go for it, you take a delay of game. In fact, speaking of that fourth and four play, Jeff Levy talked about it. Major moment in the game, right? To where you're wondering, do you take a do you take a timeout there? You know, you're trying to save timeouts. You're not trying to get too carried away. But uh, I thought it was a really, really good question from from Eddie and a, a great answer from Coach. Well, the, the obvious answer is don't sub. You know, we're, we're trying to get our the right people on the field for the specific play that was called. Um, took too much time. I didn't want to use the timeout because I felt like we were going to be able to get it off. And it was uh, it was one that was right there on the edge and uh, ended up getting caught right there. So that was 100% that was on me. Yeah, and again, this is a coach that's that's going to wear it because that's who he is and that, that's what he's all about. You know, you also add in that fourth quarter, you know, you're rolling, you get a first down, you get into Kansas State territory after the Dylan Gabriel 28-yard rush, and what's the first thing that happens? McCain Matar moves, and I think that was the – I think that was the boomer one. That was on the, the boomer, and then all of a sudden you just see Matar move like perfectly. <laughs> it's not listen. It's not funny, and I don't mean to laugh, but I don't know how I missed that on on Twitter. I I think I'd seen it, but I didn't never play it, and I played it yesterday afternoon whenever I was kind of going back over all my notes and everything from the game before, and it was okay. An incredible find by Eddie. Well done, Eddie. I'm, I'm, I'm not it, laughing at it because it's not funny, but it is. You know, it's it's wild to think about. You're moving on the first thing you hear, and you hear that, and boom, you go. It's like in perfect sync. It was crazy. In the realm of stirring the pot, I don't know that it's been stirred much better than that. I mean, I I like. I was like, that's I know. well done. I know. Uh, all right. I, James asked a really good question yesterday because in the midst of you know frustration and losing a game. There's still positives to take, right? I know that for a lot of us, there has been, and on this show, um, there has been a little bit of anger about Dylan Gabriel's consistency, which I, again, like I said, I'm 
probably going to be a Dylan Gabriel defender because I, like I said, I, I don't think it's as bad. Now there have been some pretty bad misses yesterday, but there's some positive things to take away from Saturday, uh, even in the loss. And the the question was posed: Hey, how well did you play overall offensively? Here's what Gabriel. All right, here's what um, Jeff Levy said. We did some really good things. I, I think again. Still, the frustration is in the fact that five offensive penalties, and uh, and they killed they killed drives. And we found ourselves we were really bad on third down. We had five uh, third and seven plus uh, where we didn't convert a single one. Three of those five were because of pre-snap penalties. One of them was because of a drop. And and so you look at that and you, you think, man, you got a chance to be a lot more efficient if those things don't happen. And obviously. It, Again, it's, it's going to start with me and with us and, and finding a way to make sure we're playing cleaner and smarter, but did some great things. Like if you just look from a statistical standpoint, what happened, pretty dang good, uh, but it ain't good enough. You know, we got we got to play cleaner, we got to play better and and uh, do whatever it takes to, to go win the football game. You know, we we talked about it quite a bit in the postgame show. The numbers that were put up offensively don't equate to a team that only scored, which is wild to say, 34 points. Right? You you look at the total numbers. Um, Oklahoma, 550 yards. They outgained Kansas State. 12.7 yards per pass, 6.5 yards per rush. But that big 11, 11 penalties, and with five of those – you know, really, as Coach Levy pointed out, drive killers. Those are things. Those are things that need to be cleaned up. Period. If you want to be a championship caliber team. Yeah, I. You know, I, I said this to John on the podcast. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'd love to. I'm sure somebody out there has done this study, Plank. But look, man. 11 penalties, probably you're going to lose the football game right. most times. I mean, I, I don't know what the percentages or numbers look like on that, but I would guess somewhere somebody's got the study done, right? Zero to three penalties, okay, win percentage looking pretty good, right, for not sneaky bad football teams. Four to seven penalties, all right, we're still in a, a good range. Seven to ten, all right, we're danger zone now. Yeah. 11 plus, okay, well, probably you're not going to win the football game. By the way, someone on the air conversation, uh, two people on the three, two, one, two quick texts I want to get to on the air comfort solutions text line. Did I say how excited I was to be in studio today? I don't know why I can't speak. Nine one eight. They finally scored down fourteen to seven, then give up a sixty yard kickoff return. No, bro, it was worse than that. Uh, it was fourteen fourteen to yep. tie the game. Is when the sixty yard mm-hmm. kick return happened. And, uh, Kendall, if the team is blaming the PA guy when they play in a chaotic Nebraska stadium, it's clear they aren't the guys to be starting. Well, it's, the, the team isn't blaming the PA guy. No, it's the That's, fan base. It's, it's the royal us, right? It's just it's something that – and it's – I mean, it's one of the most amazing videos if you haven't seen it yet on, on that I've ever seen. Just because it's almost as if you could not have synced up something more perfectly. Boomer, boomer, <laughs> boom! There goes McCain Matar. It's it's, t- it's a tough watch. Oh, all right. Um, so I just thought I'd clarify those real quick. Can I get um, one more real quick? I got everything from Levy. I thought was really good. It was concise. It was to the point. 
Um, we hit the how well did you play. Um, I don't think we need to do the TCU stuff yet. We'll save that for later in the week. Oh, how about his message to Dylan Gabriel? Because, like I said, it is it has been a guy that has taken some criticism because there is an incredibly high level of expectation when you're the University of Oklahoma quarterback. And um, here was here was the here was Jeff Levy on his message to Dylan Gabriel and what he had to say about his performance. What do you tell Dylan? What you got? What you see on some of those plays? Yeah, it's, it's it's such a fine line, you know, and that's that's the reality of this game. You step into that arena, you're going to want some things back. And again, I thought he played his butt off. He played incredibly tough. He led. He did a lot of things really, really well. But he's going to want some of those back. He wants a couple of those back. Uh, and it's like I said right after the game, I want a couple calls back too. So again, that's that's the nature of stepping in that arena. We're not going to want him to play perfect. We want him to play perfect, but that's not the reality of the position with everything that we ask him to do. So just continuing to get better and and uh, creating a sense of urgency with everybody in that locker room and, and uh, with us as a unit offensively to make sure we're playing cleaner and uh, and cleaning up the penalty part of it. Because again, I think if if that's better, we're sitting here and it's a little bit different story. I sense no lies. I mean, like the one play you mentioned, you got a fourth down and one, and all of a sudden you're not going for it. Critical. Critical, critical football game. Critical mistakes. All right. So there's cleaning up the offensive stuff. Anything else? Was there anything else you wanted to hear before we move on that kind of caught? Eric Gray stuff. That was Joe most Farouk. of the good stuff yeah, from, I thought so from too. Jeff Levy. Uh, off the Air Comfort Solutions text line from Sean, 405-651-3439. I was afraid. I thought you were giving out your own phone number for a moment. <laughs> I can if uh, <laughs> if people yeah, really need call to. me nine one eight nine seven eight. If if you need a therapy session, I'd like to know the percentage of our total penalties over the last five years on the offensive line. Sean, you just gave me a project for tonight. Um, Beaten uh, ability to avoid criticism never ceases to amaze me. You know what? That's my project for tonight. I'm not even kidding. Now, here's what usually ends up happening with these projects. I get through like two years, and I'm like, uh, probably need to take a nap or something. So, but I'll do my best. I'll do my best. I mean, that's a that's a lot of data to extrapolate, but a percentage of penalties on O line. Even if you just looked at you know the last two or three seasons, I think would be good. I bet it's pretty high. But here's the other part of that too. And there's no way I would ask you to do this. I mean, I would imagine that most teams, probably the large percentage of their penalties are going to be that. False start, right? Illegal procedure. Yes, holding. I mean, don't don't you think? I mean, that's the majority of everybody's penalties. Absolutely. I mean, face mask here and there, pass interference, sure. But generally speaking, I would bet you that the majority of penalties for every team in America – is a false start, a legal procedure, you know, you name it, something like that. Holding. All right, quick break. We'll get back with Ted Roof next, right here on The Ref. Tough day injury-wise for some Sooners, boys. We saw Sterling, a former NFL guy, just to be clear. We saw Shep, Sterling Shepard last night, not to be confused with Andrew Shepard, the spotter. Spotter Shep, not Sterling Shepard. Uh, but Sterling Shepard 
looks like what ruptured Achilles is what is being reported this morning. That's what was the report that oh. was reported to us. <laughs> that was the report that was reported to us on the <laughs> Air Comfort Solutions so, text line. Whether or not there's any truth to that, I, I don't know. So I can only take you at your word, friend. But buddy, that Trent Williams injury was scary to watch too, and it looks like it's going to cost him about six weeks right now. So. C.D. Lamb's one-handed catch made our night, but two big injuries kind of stained it just a bit. Yeah, I just hate that. Man, so much for Shep. Only got to play in seven games last year and only three. Looked like he was off to a pretty good start this year, too, in Dable's offense, but we'll see if he can rehab. And It's a little bit of a longer injury. He's pushing 30 right now, and that's kind of concerning for NFL wide receivers, but I don't think he's done. I think he's got a big career still in front of him. Got we'll the one, one final year on the contract. I didn't see anything that said it was a team option. Yeah, I didn't either. I, I went back and dug in a little bit more. I always get confused when they color code things on Spotrack. It's like, what does that mean? Now, so. they, could, they could cut him, and it'd be like $4.5 million dead cap hit, which, you know, not impossible that they would go that route. <laughs> They've got Kenny Galladay making more money than just about anyone in the NFL, and he's not even stepping on the field. So, mm-hmm. uh, All right, you ready for some Ted Roof? The roof. The roof is on fire. Now, a um, couple really good things question-wise, and one of those was, hey, the, the balance between, man, there's really been some good things that this team has done, right? There's, there is some positivity out there involving the the defense. But obviously Saturday that kind of went to you know what. So how do you balance knowing there's been some good things out there, but then in the same vein you're frustrated over what happened on Saturday? You know, I I'm I i do not doubt our players' commitment or want to or whatever. It's a that's happened and it's unfortunate and it's just very disappointing. Uh but at the same time if we if, if we dwell on that and you know walk around that's that that doesn't help us get it fixed so we certainly identified it corrected it and now we've got to drill it and move forward with it and uh and thank goodness we got another opportunity to do that and oh, whoops sorry and you know it it, it, it grinds at you but we got to use that to motivate us yeah i like listening to ted roof all right Great early question. The media was on fire. How do you fix physicality? Again, it's something we focus on every week, and we fell short last week. But uh, our approach every each and every week is, you know, to, to be a physical football team, to tackle well, uh, limit the yardage after contact, and we didn't do that. Uh, we didn't do a very good job of that the other night. And uh, again, everything that went wrong is my fault. It's it's I got to get help everybody get it fixed. So, um, but that's that's what we got to do moving forward. I would imagine it's not been a fun week for Ted Roof, but regardless, it's 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 frustrating for everyone involved. And so Saturday night after the game, in our post game conversations with Brent Venables, he said, "Hey, you know, I, I didn't see a problem in our preparation. You know, I I felt like we were preparing well, and you know, this was not something to where I." felt like this team hadn't practiced well and Deshaun White said hey we had a 
Tuesday practice that wasn't what it was supposed to be. And uh, Ted Roof was asked about it, asked about the Tuesday practice. On Tuesday, yeah, there were. But, uh, you know, the, we, we picked it up on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And uh, certainly if there were, you know, we addressed it. And if we would thought that our guys weren't ready to play, we'd try to do something to address that. But, you know, after our meetings and practices, uh, we felt felt like our guys were ready. And, uh, you know, but obviously the results, uh, for whatever reason, didn't didn't reflect that yeah and i'd ask this question i think to you yesterday right would it yes would it make you feel better if the coach came into the post game show and said well we didn't have a good practice on you know wednesday and you know kind of concerned about things going in practice sucked all week right and i mean that i know it's very rare that you have a coach say that but i'm going to talk about a previous here alex grinch was not afraid to tell you that practice sucked I mean, he was a guy that whenever, um, whenever you would talk to him on post games or after, he was like, oh, "We just didn't have a good week of practice." And I know that's rare, but I don't know. You know, I don't think. I don't think I would feel better about things if you know Brent Venables or Ted Roof or Jeff Lebby were to come in after the game and say, "We just didn't practice well this week. We had a rough week of practice." I don't know if that would make me feel any better about Saturday Did it make us feel better last year? No. No, it did not. Ultimately, (laughs) I think I I think the takeaway is you feel as good as the team plays, right? I mean, look, it could be the greatest week of practice ever, and if you go out and lay a stinker, nobody's going to feel good. Or it could be the worst week of practice ever. And if you go out and win by three touchdowns, then guess what? Nobody cares how you practiced all week. Now, the coaching staff, by no – by no – Stretch of the imagination, and uh, no stretch of the imagination am I downplaying the importance of practice. Go ahead. Everybody understands practice is important. Practice is where you get better. Practice is where you fine-tune and get things squared away for the game. We get it. But that being said, practice can only, can only do so much for you. you. Once the lights come on, you have to go execute. And ultimately, you're going to be judged on whether or not you did that. So – I guess my point is if the coaches come in here in postgame and tell us, hey, it was a great week or it was a bad week, it's not going to matter or change your opinion a whole lot relative to what was the final score. It it doesn't matter to us, right? It's like, okay, well, I I don't care. Again, Teddy talks about it a lot. You know, he's had games where he went into it and they had a terrible week of practice. And they went out and played incredible on Saturday. And there's been games when they go into it, and they've had a incredible week. Did I say incredible week? The, the opposite of whatever I said earlier. <laughs> Correct. Sorry. I was watching these high school football highlights. I, I don't think I've seen a commercial for a year review, and I was, I was shook by it. Anyway, it doesn't always kind of go parallel to how things happen on game day. But – when when you have a, a game like we had certain day, you kind of start digging and trying to find okay why why did this happen why did that happen what happened here what went wrong there, the great news for the Sooners is, I mean everything is still out in front of them. I mean I know that that doesn't mean much, but you know Baylor's highly ranked, Oklahoma State's highly ranked right now. Uh, I mean this Texas is not what Texas is, and you know you're going to get their best shot, but. Kansas is rolling. You know, unless the Big Twelve just absolutely has a couple teams fall apart on you, 
you're going to have good challenges the rest of the year that are going to be that are going to be games that will catch the rest of the country's eye. Now, the thing that hurts it a little bit if you're still thinking, you know, all right, playoffs and whatever, is it looks like the ACC is getting something from Florida State this year that hasn't been there for years. And they beat the snot out of Boston College last week. And you've got FSU, you've got Clemson, you've got Wake, you've got North Carolina State. And it looks, too, like Pac-12's got something going on this year. Oregon has righted itself. Um, obviously, USC looks pretty good, even though their defense, I don't know if that's sustainable with that many forcing that many turnovers. Um, UCLA still undefeated somehow. But, I mean, in other words, there's a lot of conferences that are having teams step up this season. So you've well, got to step here. I know that's not what we're thinking about right now, Josh. And, and you have to worry about Alabama, Georgia being a two-bid SEC sure. league. I mean, that's definitely in play. Uh, you know, really, the Big Ten as a two-bid bid league is not out of question. That's right, especially with how good Michigan's looking. I mean, it kind of depends, obviously, you know, yeah, what what happens with them. We feel good about Ohio State. The, the college football playoff should be the last thing. I know. I'm sorry. On, I'm sorry. Didn't mean any, to bring it up. On any Oklahoma fan's mind, at this point, you should be recalibrating as a fan your expectations to what can it take for this team to win the Big 12? Well, and then wh- go, go from, from there. there. Well, one thing that it does need is to be better defensively on third down. How do you fix it, Ted Roof? Uh, when you look back at the film, did you see any any consist- or any of the same thing through those third downs? And is that something you can... How much can you work on that in practice? We work on it a lot every week. Um, it, it may not have looked like it last week, but we work work on it a lot every single week with an emphasis on it because, you know, that's 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 a down that gets you off the field. And when you have opportunities to get off the field and don't, uh, it, it came back to bite us the other night. And uh, you look at the, you know, like the scrambles, for instance, and things of that nature, the missed tackles, uh, you know, it, it comes back to bite you, uh, and, it, and it did. So um, we got to get those fixed as well. There you go. Ted Roof. Ted Roof. All right, um, quick break. Well, you guys are all over the what ESPN is reporting. It's a knee injury, not an Achilles. Yeah, Post right. had that too. Cool. Then who started the Achilles rumor? I don't know. Uh, Gunny of Stutzman Army said T-Row said Achilles this morning How and dare somebody you, else Toby said Achilles. Rowland. I think it was in the New York Post initially. But, listen, the Post is not necessarily about accuracy. It's, it's about just getting get it out first. there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I got more from Ted Roof and then obviously top five stories today coming up right here on The Ref. Some pretty important stuff rolling in on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Um, we had brought up how there was back and forth reporting on the, the injuries of Sterling Shepard, ESPN reporting that it looks to be a severe knee injury. They'll know more here in a bit. Um, <laughs> and we brought up how it was like the Post had mentioned Achilles, and this morning ESPN says knee. It's very important stuff, so people take it in. The Post is more accurate. The Times is a democratic fake news machine. Get your facts straight unless you guys are lib dims. Um, I don't even remember comparing it to the New York Times. It was an injury report, but let's talk politics, man. Let's go. So is the the Post is pretty right wing, and oh, the Times is very left. I believe so. Uh, that makes the, sense, I guess. From the four hundred four playoffs, playoffs. I just hope they make the Cheez It Bowl. <laughs> uh, well, let's hopefully set our sights a little higher than that. 
Uh, Kendall, here's my opinion. Oklahoma played three cupcakes to start the season. Game four, they played a real talent and got exposed. Kendall, I'm worried about you, man. I think they're going to... I think they're going to be okay. Um, Border Sooner has a good one. Must we not forget this is just the fourth game into BV's first season? I still believe we got our guy. He is going to have to have time to get more of his guys into the program in BV we trust. Yeah, well, let's see how the rest of this season plays out. I'm not ready to ride off this season. (laughs) But... I, I mean, I understand the frustration. This is a good one for the 405, too. And I agree with that sentiment. I'm just saying yeah. I, I don't even know that – I mean, I, I don't, we don't know that this is a bad season yet, I guess, is uh, the point. Didn't Dylan sit out of football last year with a broken collarbone? If that's the case, he's doing very well. He's going to get better. He's going to get better. Well, <laughs> it's just fans the, are hoping he will. The misses are just – they're bad misses, I think, is where the frustration is, right? And Brock Heward talked about, hey, when you're a little bit more of a of a smaller dude, you got to throw over guys, and sometimes that can rein things a little up across the middle, and that's problematic. He still hasn't turned the football over. I mean, we're we're four games into a college football season, and you have a quarterback that hasn't turned the ball over. So I, and an offense that only has what one turnover so far. So do you want me to knock on wood again? Yeah, I might want to be safe heading heading on the road and back to back weeks in conference play. Or I'm sorry, road neutral environment. This team is desperate. I don't know if you know that plan. I also I also would add. I mean, it's just it's such a different feel than the NFL, right? And I'm not trying to compare college to the NFL, but most teams that are you know three and one are feeling pretty good about themselves, and we're we're in doomsday, right? It's just it's wild. It's wild. I think they're going to be okay. I think we start that this weekend. Oklahoma's been a good program bouncing back after losses, and I don't think that changes under Brent Venables. All right, we owe you the top five stories today. Venables is going to speak to the media in about 15 minutes from now. We'll bring you what we're allowed to while it happens right here on The Ref.